0: We'll start with Luke 18, uh, 1 through 8. Oh, I, I guess I better go there. Hold on just a second. I don't get my bearings here. I'll be all right. Okay. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So that's a little commentary by Luke telling us what this parable is going to be about. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, Passage quoted countless times in just the last month. It seems like everywhere, you know, you get on Facebook and somebody's posted it, and you're listening to a Christian radio and somebody's talking about it, and even uh, the pastor mentioned it last week. And I think that's because God is encouraging us to hold on. Don't don't let go right before the answer comes. And I just really believe in my spirit. There are some answers that are getting ready to come. Um, but as I was reading this, I, I started thinking about this. You know, I've always looked at this uh, like the unjust judge, you know, he had the ability to answer her prayer. He could have. He just didn't want to bother himself with it, you know. So, you know, kind of he's a jerk. But, you know, of course, God loves us, and we're the elect, and so, of course, he's going to answer our prayer. I mean, I've kind of just always looked at it that way. And God said to me one day, he said, look at this another way. This is an analogy between an unjust judge and a just judge. It's an analogy between a man who doesn't care about justice. He doesn't care whether we enforce the law Versus a God that is just, and one of the most important things to him is justice. He told the Pharisees, "You you tithe and you uh, whatever else they did, but you forget the weightiest, weightier things of the law: justice and mercy and faith." He considers justice a weighty thing, and it would be just for our prayers to be answered. Um, And I'd like to look over at uh, Ephesians 1, verse 19. And, uh, you know, Paul's praying a prayer that we would have wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And he says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ... When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that that's to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church. This is past tense. He put all things under his feet. Legally, in the spiritual realm, it is done. Your deliverance, your healing, whatever it is that you're believing God for, it is done. It is legally accomplished, it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. And you know, the spiritual realm is really all the, the only realm that matters. And so when I started thinking about this, I thought, you know, my prayer has to be answered. It has to be answered because justice demands it. And we serve a just God. In fact, the only way that it's not going to be answered is if we give up, if we lose heart, if we quit praying. That's the whole reason Jesus is saying this parable is, don't give up, because you're guaranteed an answer. It's guaranteed. Um, let's look at <sighs> it has to be justice it. Who is playing me over there? The <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first John 5:14. Let's look at that. I'm just giving you a little build-up. We are going to talk about prayer here in a minute. But, you know, obviously, you don't persevere in prayer if there's not faith to go along with it. So so we're just pumping up the faith first. Then we're going to talk about some prayer from A to to B. Um, So this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired from him. It's guaranteed, okay? So you might be thinking, well, that's all really nice, but I don't have the faith for that. I don't, I don't have that kind of faith. Well, first of all, faith is not a virtue that we have of ourselves, it's not like a talent, like, you know, well, this person, they're artistic and creative and they can really decorate, and I don't know how to do that because I was just never born that way. It's, it's not a talent. It is something that we get from God. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we need to go to him if we feel like, well, I don't have the faith. If you are in the situation, either you have the faith or God wants to give it to you. Um, let's look over at Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Uh, Anyways, Jesus was saying, what were you talking to them about? And one of the people in the crowd says, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, and they could not cast it out. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening? And he said, From childhood. He often has thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And then the spirit cried out, convulsing him greatly, and came out of him. But, you know, I, I have got to be honest. In the past, you know, I got saved into a faith church, and and people did not admit that they didn't have faith for something. You know, I I would come and read this, and I'd think, I mean, I was embarrassed for this guy. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I mean, here Jesus is rebuking people for not having enough faith, and he's going to be like, you know, Lord, I believe, but help me out. I don't have enough faith, you know. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? You said that, like, in broad daylight, right, to Jesus, you know. Um, But now that I know better, (laughs) I can see this guy had the right idea, you know, First of all, he was willing to admit that he uh, had a spiritual need. You know, the the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. He was willing to humble himself in spite of the fact that the apostles just got rebuked for their unbelief. He's willing to say, you know, I don't have any faith either. (laughs) And James 4 says, God gives grace to the humble. I mean, that's a good road to go, the humility road. Uh, And then Ephesians 2 says, faith comes from grace. I mean, he went the right road to get what he needed. And apparently he either had the faith to begin with or God made up the difference because his child did get delivered. So um, that's been a prayer. Um, I've had some things that I have been believing for for quite a while And that's been a prayer that I have prayed very often along the way. You know, when I start to feel like, uh, you know, I'm just like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That is a great prayer to pray. And, you know, I don't believe when we come to a point when we pray that, that we've gotten to a valley where we are down to zero faith. You know, the whole process from A to B is a process of God building our faith. I think at that point God is stretching you and you need the faith to catch up. He's adding to the faith that you already have. And scripturally, there's a couple scriptures that kind of back that up. Romans 4 says, Abraham, uh, he was strengthened in faith you know, God added to his faith, and his faith grew as he went. We also know that faith is a fruit, and fruit grows and mature. It starts as a seed, and then it grows into a plant, and then you get the flower, and then, you know, eventually you've got the fruit. Faith is a fruit. It grows, and so asking God and admitting that you don't have the faith, um, it's a really good prayer so that you can grow in faith there. Um, and you know, sometimes along the way on this road from A to B, uh, things don't change. You know, I I live in expectancy. Every single day, I get up in the morning, and I'm like, "This is the day. This this is the day I'm going to see that answer." Every day, and sometimes either things don't change or things get worse, you know, and that can, you know, kind of be disheartening a little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I can tell some of you have been there. Um, You know, Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, But God has given a, a prescription to cure that. James 1, uh, verse two to four, my brethren, counted all joy. Um, Isaiah sixty says says that God has given us the oil of joy for mourning. I mean, there have been times when, you know, the earthly reality of oh my gosh, this is what's going on here. I know what what is going on in the heavenlies, but this reality has just tried to weigh me down. And I've just had to go to God and say, you know what, God, thank you that you have answered me. I am just going to rejoice in you. You know, praise is a sacrifice sometimes. and um, But the thing that we're being joyful about here, it goes on to say that, um, let me find it on my phone. It goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith provides, produces patience, but let patience have his perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, there's a purpose in your journey from A to B. God is doing something. He's perfecting your faith. He's building patience in you and you know there's been times along the way that i'm like uh, i learn a lesson from god during the process and i'm like all right okay that's what this has all been about i was supposed to learn that okay this is a great time for that answer to get manifested and it doesn't okay there's something else i need to learn and sure enough go a little bit farther down that road there's something else i'm like okay now now's the time you know now is always the time as far as we 're concerned, but what we need to be concerned with is what is god 's time um, Do any of you remember highlights for children the children 's magazine i you know they're in the doctor's offices and I grew up with that. My dad worked there, and I worked there sometime in the summer so um, they're say they're little Saying on the front of the magazine was fun with a purpose. You guys remember that? Well, I always think, because you know I got highlights in my background, I always think about my trial of my faith this is pain with a purpose. (laughs) 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 The prerequisite for counting it all joy is you have got to value what God is doing in your life more than you value the answer to your prayer. That has got to be important to you. Um, you know, because and and you might have to think about this for a little bit. Mom will say it. If the answer to your prayer is more important to you than valuing uh, what God is doing, that that thing might be an idol. That might be an idol in your life, and you know. And if that's where you are, repent and ask God to help you uh, get your priorities right. Um, our goals have to agree with God's goals. Uh, in Romans eight twenty nine, God said that. You know, his purpose in us, the reason why we're saved is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. This is how it happens. We go through that process. We go through some pain. God teaches us through that. God uses that to draw us to him. So count it all joy. You know, that might mean just going to him and and humbly saying, you know, God, it would be great to me if this answer got manifested right now but I am gonna submit to your timing and to your will and to your plan. And if you have that kind of attitude, joy and thanksgiving will come. That's, that's the sign. And I'm not saying that we're giving up, you know, well, I'm just gonna submit to this thing. No, we are submitting to God. We are not giving up. There is a difference between patient Uh, perseverance, and just putting up with something. And we don't want to go to where we are just putting up with something. And I'll tell you, the hallmark sign of you are just putting up with something is you'll be complaining. Uh, If you're patiently persevering, you will be joyful. You will be thankful. So... uh, The next verse there, uh, and if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Um, You know, when you're in a long-term process of trusting God for something, um, sometimes you you just need the wisdom of how do I act this out? How do, I, how do I live in this situation? You know, I'm trusting you. I'm seeing it as done. But how do I live here? And, you know, that answer can only come from God. Um, when you think about uh, other stories in the Bible, uh, there's been different battles. Like, for instance, the Battle of Jericho who would have ever come up with the idea, well, let's, let's circle around the walls seven times, you know, and then on the last day, we're all going to shout, and the walls are just going to come down. I mean, that took a lot of faith. I mean, those, some of those people had to have been thinking, Joshua, you are nuts. This has never happened before, you know. <laughs> or when Jesus told the blind man, you know, well, just put some mud in your eyes and walk across town. I mean, where he had to go with that with mud in his face was... All the way across town, and everybody's gonna see him. I mean, who would have thought to do that? Who would have thought? Uh, you know, I can't pay my taxes. We'll go get money out of that fish's mouth. You know, we what the wisdom that God has of how to walk this thing out. We can't come up with it. You know, God. God might tell you to do something that people are just like you are nuts. But we can't come up with that. That has to come from God. And once you hear from God, this is what I want you to do, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say. Right. You know, you can, you can go to your friends. You can get on Google. You can ask the pastor. The pastor is going to say, have you asked God? He's going to point you back to God. Um, but, you know, it really doesn't matter what any of those people have to say. What matters is, what is God saying? What does God say I need to do here? Um, so let's go back to Luke 18 again. Luke 18, verse 7. Whoops. Okay, and it says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And that verse really bothered me a little bit because I'm thinking about in Matthew 6 when the apostle says, Teach us how to pray. And I'm thinking, you know, Jesus said, Don't pray the vain pre- repetition of the heathen, you know. Um, in fact, And so I was like, you know, God, how do you pray day and night and not be repeating yourself? I think that's a pretty legitimate question. So let's go back to uh, Matthew 6, verse 7. And Jesus said, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You know, we don't have to keep telling God. In fact, I really don't believe that we need to beg God. I really don't need think that we need to convince him why it might be a good idea to answer this prayer. You know, God, if you did it right now, this would happen and this would happen. I mean, he's God. He knows so much better than we do uh, how to work that out. But he says, but pray in this manner, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as I was looking at that, God gave me a vision, and I'll, I'll explain this, but He's showing me verse 9, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that verse is raining down on the next verse. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what that means to me, I believe that verse 9 is symbolic of worship and entering the presence of God. You know, Psalms 104 says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. And Jesus says, do that first um, because everything else that you're praying for is going to come out of that, that entering into his presence. You know, there's been times when I have been believing God for something. And I mean, it is the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning. I mean, have you ever been in that situation? You wake up and it's like, oh my gosh, I was hoping that was a dream, but it isn't. It's really true. Oh my God, you know. I mean, that's, you know, it's just an awful situation. And start praying about that instead of like, you know, no matter what the situation is, God is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised first and foremost. That has not changed. It doesn't matter what happens in your circumstances. He is always worthy to be praised. And instead of concentrating on the problem, once you start thanking God and being joyful and thinking of who he is and entering into his presence, you're going to start seeing your situation from a different perspective. All of a sudden, that situation that was so big is going to just get really small. And before, when the situation was big, you didn't know this, but God was really small in your heart at that point. But God is is going to get bigger and bigger and more powerful. And you know, you enter into that, and it's like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? That thing isn't really that big a deal. I mean, they are big deals. I don't mean to to minimize that. But we start to see things in a different perspective. Um, I'd like to turn to uh, Ephesians 2, verse 4. And, you know, previously we had looked at Ephesians 1, that it says that God has set Jesus at his right hand far above all principalities' power, right? Um, Ephesians 2 verse 4, I want to show you where we're at. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, And he raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where Jesus is. That's where we are. We are not fighting for a victory in this situation. We are fighting from the place of victory. Those principalities and powers are under our feet. Okay? It's a totally different perspective. And as you start to change your perspective of who God is by being in his presence, you also start to change your perspective of who you are to him, okay? Um, I want to tell you a story. This is true. This just happened a couple weeks ago. For those of you that don't know, I work at the Family Support Division. I'm the customer service representative there. But I had somebody come in, an uh, older lady who's living on a shoestring. I mean, very poverty-stricken. And she needed some help with her case. And without going into all the details of it, in the process of helping her, I realized that there was a payment that she should have started getting in June of 2015, and she had never gotten it. There had been a mistake made, and apparently she didn't know she was supposed to be getting this payment. So we're in a position that, you know, we need to reimburse her for three and a half years' worth of payments. It was, I didn't total it all up, but it was right around $4,000. And so I went out into the lobby, and I says, you know what? Every once in a while, I get the opportunity to give someone really good news, and today's your day. And she says, really? And I says, yes. She goes, but what is it? And I explained to her you know, that we had made this mistake, and that she was going to get $4,000 direct deposited to her checking account. And she just looks at me, and she goes, really? Yes. Really, in about three weeks, you're going to have that money right in your checking account. And she says, really? And then she starts laughing. I says, yeah, really. And then she's laughing and crying at the same time. She's like, really? I says, yes, because that was, you know, a big truth. I mean, you know, windfall to her. And she's just laughing and crying and looking at me, and she goes, honey, I don't believe you. (laughs) You know, and I I was kind of taken back from it. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be all, you know, official state worker here and everything. She doesn't believe me. I'm like, well, it's going to happen. So she came back the next day, and I told her I had sent the email to Jeff City, and they were taking care of it. Uh, They had processed that payment. It was on the way. She'd get it in three weeks. And I said, do you believe me yet? And she goes, I'm trying, <laughs> but I thought about it later, and I thought, you know, why should she believe me? She doesn't know me, you know, as far as she knows, I could have been the person that messed her case up to begin with, you know, <laughs> that's why she hasn't been getting this money all along. I don't know, why should she believe me? She doesn't know me, and you know, when we don't get in the presence of God, you know, all God is. Is word's on a page. He's, he's somebody we've heard about, but he's not somebody that we know. And it's hard to believe somebody that you don't know, right? So as, as we get in his presence, we start to know him, um, and we experience his presence and his love, and he's no longer the God that you've only heard about. He starts to be the God that you know um, and I you know I pray with my Bible open because it's not just you know i'm I'm waiting waiting to hear from God, but a lot of times you know we hear God through the word, and i I pray the word I'll just be reading along and I'm just talking to God about what I'm reading and just praying along in the word, and you know the word starts to come to life um Let's look at Hebrews 4.12 real quick. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's a living word. It's not just words on a page. uh, And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And, you know, you know, as I'm praying the Word and talking to God about the Word and different things, you know, come alive in the Word while you're reading. And the Holy Spirit might quicken something of, well, go look at this scripture. And I go there and, you know, read the before and after that scripture. And it's exactly what I needed to hear from the day. And, you know, it's, um, you know, you get into that fellowship with God. We're just, we're having a fellowship time together you know we're we're hanging out he's he's ministering to me I'm ministering to him and uh, you know once we once we do that when we get down to thy kingdom come and thy will be done uh, all of a, all of a sudden those things that we wanted to ask God for start to seem Really insignificant compared to the God that we know, the God that we know loves us, the God that we know wants to bless us. So, um, you know, there might be some people here that are thinking, well, that's really nice for you because you know how to find God and He talks to you and you're special. And my answer to that is no. I am, I am definitely not special. Um, the only thing special about me is I answered the call. And he has called all of us. Any one of us can answer that call. Let's look at Revelations 3.20. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. That's to anyone. He's standing at the door knocking, anyone, any of us, anyone watching this on Facebook, anyone, Um, we all have that access to him. And... uh, You know, there's a lot of other scriptures that Jesus makes that invitation. Matthew 11, he says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary, and I will give you rest. And he's not coming so that he can, you know, asking you to come so he can beat you down for what you've done wrong. He's, he's asking you to come so that he can lift you up and, and love you. And yes, part of that is cleaning you up too. But... Um, So I would just encourage all of you, uh, and and I also want to add, you know, uh, there's also the place of intercession. You know, there are going to be times when, as you're going from A to B, that there is an intercession that God calls you to for that situation. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, and Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to pray as we pray in the Spirit, and that's also part of this. But that intercession is going to come out of the presence of God.
1: It's always a blessing to me to hear from another perspective. And inevitably, one of you will hear, will see something in Scripture that I haven't yet seen. And I, I, not from Julie, but there was correction to me in what she said. Because I think if I remember right, I preached about that Jesus had said men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. No Luke said that. She's exactly right. Jesus didn't say it. He was talking about Jesus' upcoming teaching. But I'm impressed again over the facts that men have men have a need to pray to keep from losing heart. As if if I continually try to work with God as him being off out there somewhere. I'm never going to get into enjoying prayer and interacting with the, with the nature of God. I'm never going to get there. But the truth is, prayer is not about somehow reaching to heaven. Prayer is about manifesting heaven here on earth. Thy kingdom come, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, at my house, as it is in heaven, here in Christ's family, as it is in heaven. And beginning to realize that heaven is not so far away, heaven is here. It fills the earth and all the void, everything. There's so much could be said on prayer. I'm sure you ran into this, too. I mean, there's so much that could be said. I know LaRoyce has spent some time teaching, preaching on prayer in the classroom downstairs. So much can be said. But the truth is, prayer is interacting with an ever-present God. And that's the bottom line. Yes, sometimes it looks like intercession. And I'll tell you something, it's not vain repetition. To keep bringing something to God and bringing something to God and bringing something to God, if that's in your heart. It becomes vain repetition when you just uh, have this ritualistic thing that you feel that you must say and call it prayer. I, I tell you, I challenge you to do this because I did it a few years ago and I, I, I hate it. I recorded myself praying for several hours. And then played it back and played it back and played it back. I hated it because it wasn't me communicating with God. It was very religious, ritualistic, repetitious nonsense. For me, not, maybe not for you, but for me that's what it was. And I did that so I could begin to adjust on purpose. And to begin to understand that when I'm communicating with God, it's just like I'm standing here communicating with Sai. If he and I start to talk, God is just that present. He fills all and is in all. I don't need to yell at him to get him to hear. But he's okay if I get passionate and yell a little because he's not nervous. But God is God. And we can interact with him. And I loved what you said about getting to know him. I have a great fear inside of me that um, a large part of the church world has made an idol of prayer and the Bible. And they need to find the God of prayer and the God of the Bible and worship Him, give credit to Him, give time to Him. And then they'll find these wonderful tools of communicating with God and His Word. His Word is an amazing, amazing tool, but it's not the fourth member of the Godhead. It's a book, but it gives record of God in that book, and an accurate record of God in that book. And we need to look at things like that, and we need to adjust that. Folks, if we don't, we're never going to get to the place where we actually see the hand of God at work. The, I was thinking of the point A to point B, and how how it's the hand of God at work. He's already at work on what we're praying about, but He's working on us in the meantime. And anybody that you see that has gone a long ways with God, it's because they're still traveling that road from point A to point B. Yeah, there's many times that they've hit that place where the prayer was answered, and then there's something else to pray about, something more. We never run out of things to communicate with God about because we're bringing heaven and helping helping God. We really do help Him to manifest on this earth because He chose that. If He chose to work through you, Shouldn't we figure out what that means and let him work through us, out from us? It's an amazing thing to think that God will indwell us, and then most of what he does after that is working out from us. And there is a time for fasting. There is a time for long-term prayer. Maybe sometime we'll get to that. But don't think that you can fast and get God to do something. Fasting is helping you to get lined up where you might understand more what he's doing and you might quit asking him what you've been asking him. I look back at some of the things that I've prayed for and I'm so glad God answered those prayers with a no. because I would have messed it up. Because I wanted it done like this right now and he just said, no, not now. Not like that. And we kept moving, and in the end, his idea was so much better than mine about the same issue. When you're praying for your family, you do become an intercessor. but in the sense that you can pray with confidence that the fact that I'm bringing this person that I love to god i'm going I'm causing a meeting now. That might look bad for a while because how many knows when somebody first starts dealing with God that sometimes they get angry, sometimes they 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 get just they don't know why they're agitated, they don't know why they're angry, they don't know why they get mean. I know why because I prayed for them and I caused a meeting between them and God. And God just keeps it up, keeps it up, keeps putting obstacles in their way. Uh, most of us could probably say, I've got a relative when that when an obstacle comes their way, they get angry, they get mean. Well, have you been praying for them? God puts obstacles in their way. And he causes not only a meeting with himself but he causes them to think. And many times what we say to them and how we pray is that seed that's in them that causes them to get mean for a while. But it's because God is dealing with them. If you can begin to think that way, then it'll be much easier to count it all joy. That's not an easy scripture. That's not an easy scripture. When somebody is ranting and raving and in your face Boy, it's hard to count it all joy. And I tell you, I'm not there. That's why I know it's hard. When I find out how it's done, I'll let you know. But for right now, I'm not there. When they're in my face, you know what I want to do? I want to get back in their face. I've become pretty good at backing off and not doing that. But notice I say pretty good, not real good. So we're human. And that's part of why we really need to pray. But the major reason we really need to pray is because if we don't interact with God as our friend, we'll lose heart. And then hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because as long as you're interacting with God and have some understanding of who he is, there's hope, and you know there's hope. The very fact that I'm saved gives me hope. I can't imagine why he saved me, but I know he did. And that gives me hope for everybody I know. Father, thank you. God, we know there's no way we can ever cover this subject. And God, I know if I were to write a book on prayer, that before I got to the final chapter, there would need to be another book written from what I've learned. So God, I'm not even going to do that. But God, teach us to pray. Lord, I'm still reminded of your disciples that they were... They were all around, they they were raised with people doing the ritualistic prayer and the paganistic prayer and and the official praying. They were raised with that all around them, echoing in the dawn of the morning and in in the dusk of the evening, the ritualistic prayer. And even these guys, when Jesus, when they saw you interacting with the Father, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. God, that's the cry of my heart. Teach me to pray. Teach me to be more effective in that which you've called us to do. Father, I pray that these words that Julie has spoken this morning will go with us and help us to remember that praying is not about being perfect. Praying is about being perfected as we walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Go with us throughout the week.